When you attend a local collecting club meetup, what do you bring with you? Some may carry with them a bottle of red or white for the host as a way to say thank you for the invite. Or they may pick up a box of pastries or a local delicacy, something from their hometown or the surrounding area, to share with their fellow attendees. Sometimes people make swag, like buttons or pins, to commemorate the day. And of course, many will bring bins of Star Wars collectibles to sell. Most people simply bring themselves, which, as many of us have learned, is really all that's needed. For the first Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club meetup, Sky Payne brought a flag. Shortly after founding a collecting club in California, Sky moved to the East Coast, to Rochester, New York. He wanted to start a club in this new region, one that would be similar to the California Club in celebrating the vintage Star Wars hobby with like-minded collectors. However, he knew from experience how hard it would be to get even like-minded collectors to meet together within the state. At the same time, though, Jason Thomas and Tom Quinn were already establishing a New York-based group called the Empire State Club. Jason invited Skye to join them at Tom's apartment for a small introductory kickoff. Skye decided to take the chance on being part of it and drove four hours to Tom's place. And Skye brought a flag. It was something he had created specifically for the event, one that put his own Star Wars spin on the New York State design. He recalled making the flag and bringing it with him as a total act of faith, an aspirational idea that would serve to solidify the club and mark that meetup as something official. The four collectors who attended that event signed the flag during that first meetup. And the hope that something would come out of that day turned into a reality that has exceeded anyone's imagination, including Jason, Tom, and Skye. Skye has been a powerful force within our hobby. He is someone who has caught himself wishing for something that was missing within the community, and then acted upon it to make it happen. And the California and Empire State Clubs are not the only parts of our hobby affected by Sky in wonderful ways. In 2010, Sky and Steve Danley created the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast, known throughout the hobby as the Kivecast. But more importantly, it's centered on collectors and on the community. There was nothing like it at the time. And once again, Sky turned something he wished existed into a reality a monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. And as listeners of the podcast, we've been the guests of Sky and Steve as they visited the homes of other collectors for meetups and interviews and late-night dinners in other states. We've traveled to Star Wars Celebration and toured with them for the International Collectors Event Weekends. We connected with other Star Wars collectors, often getting to know a little about them during the podcast episodes before we ever met them in person. And in person, together, we've kicked off the celebration conventions with the archive party thrown by Sky and Steve. It's an altruistic endeavor that has raised thousands of dollars for local animal charities. But again, it was another chance to bring collectors together. Sky has had a tremendous impact on our hobby 
and on our community. In fact, he's the reason this very podcast exists. This is Six Stories with Sky Payne. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. film critic Jamie East once labeled Peter Mayhew, the actor who played the lovable Chewbacca, as the ambassador for the whole Star Wars trilogy. Peter was not only in the world of Star Wars, but cared enough to connect with those outside of it, with those who had loved the franchise and the fantastical stories of the films. For many people, Peter was Chewbacca. He was that bridge. And in the collecting world, the same can be said for Sky Payne. Sky is a collector of Chewbacca memorabilia and toy-related items, but he is also an ambassador of our hobby, a connector within our community. I began listening to the Kivecast as I returned to collecting almost a decade ago. The podcast not only taught me about the vintage Star Wars figures I loved, but introduced me to other collectors out there who shared the same passion for the Kenner toy line. And the archive party at Celebration afforded me the opportunity to meet and to get to know these collectors. I look back fondly on my first archive party, as it was the basis for many of these long-term friendships I have today. In the early days of the Kivecast, Sky and Steve used to say, Wherever we go, you can be there too. As an ambassador, Sky not only opened the door for us to witness collecting events and moments and conversations, but he brought us inside with him. And when we were finally able to become part of the community and attend these events in person, for many of us, we felt like we belonged. Because we had been listening all along. Sky, by nature, is curious about the world around him. As a teacher, he has a gift to be able to digest culture, history, politics, and the arts, and present his thought about a topic in a thoughtful and sometimes irreverent way that fosters discussion and growth. He has a vibrant sense of humor, and he's a true storyteller. And he genuinely cares about the people around him. When I began listening to his podcast, my hope was that I would be able to contribute to our hobby as well someday, in some way. I also hoped I would be able to express the impact he has had on my life. Today, I'm honored to call him my friend and to share in the adventures we experience as collectors and friends in this hobby. And in doing this six-story series, I thought a conversation with Sky would be a fun one. 
As a longtime Chewbacca collector and curator of the Chuseum, his aptly titled collection, Sky owns some incredible and storied pieces. And his approach to this episode was to share the stories behind some of his Chewbacca items as parts of a larger story about his collecting journey so far. I asked Sky where he wanted to meet for our conversation, and he suggested a little hut on the planet Kashyyyk, the homeworld of the Wookiee species. He said he had an old friend who lived there, and his friend's hut would be a quiet spot for us to catch up and to hang out for an hour or so. Sadly, his friend would not be joining us today. Apparently, he's on some mission with a former smuggler. Something about a princess. (laughs) Wookiees, go figure. Anyway, I'm approaching the hut now. I can't wait to see Skye because it's certainly been a while since many of us have been together. And I can't wait to see which stories he shares with us today. Oh, and I told him you were coming with us, too. After all, that's what he taught me to do. To bring our fellow collectors with us. Hey, it looks like he left the light on for us. Here, follow me. It's just right up this way. Just over the ridge. Sky, thank you so much for being a part of this tonight. Uh, I've been I've been looking forward to having uh, a conversation with you for the podcast, and I think this is a, a pretty good one. Um, so again, thank you for being here tonight. And my pleasure. Sorry if you, if you hear my dogs in the background; they're they're adding some little spice to it. But, uh. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so uh, so if you if you wouldn't mind just telling people a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm Sky Payne. I've uh, you know, I'll get into it in my stories, but you know, I've been collecting for a while. Uh, probably the greatest contribution I think that I've made to the hobby is in the, the podcast that I do with Steve Danley, and uh, you know, that's I collect Chewbacca. I've been collecting Chewbacca for a long time. You'll be hearing stories about that as well. I, uh, I teach French at a small public uh, university out here in uh, Western New York. I'm from Boston, but I lived a long time in California, and uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I, I have, I, the problem is that because I, I host my own podcast, I tend to talk too much. And so now I don't know how much to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, well, I'll, I'll fill in some gaps for you. So, okay. uh, the, the Kivecast, uh, is really the original, um, podcast for our hobby. Uh, it's one that, you know, I, I've mentioned numerous times in my own podcast and uh, you and Steve are the reason why I, I created my podcast. Um, you know, my, my goal was to have people hear this and to be, become familiar not only with the, the, uh, with collecting and with the, the process, but also with the people that are involved. Um, so that, you know, when they would see them at, at shows and conventions or meetups, uh, they would feel more comfortable speaking with them. And you did a lot of that for me. Uh, and the information that you provide month to month, and I can't believe we are celebrating your 11th year. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty wild because we just we just sort of started doing it, and and uh, I mean I think it's it's nice because we do one episode every you know one character a month or one figure a month uh, that sort of forced us into a very long 
a long period of time. And so we're, we're almost, we're, we're going to, we're recording our next episode tonight, right after this. And it's a 77 back, the first of our 77 backs. So we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to maybe just start over again at one. <laughs> you know what? I think there are a lot of people that would be thrilled because, you know, with the information that's come out, uh, you know, over the past number of years on, on different characters or different finds, uh, I, I think you could, you know, afford to do an, a, you know, a run of 92 again. Yeah, I, th- I think so, especially with the, with the way the market changed. Because <laughs> yeah. if you've never listened to our early episodes, you can listen to our market watch where we'll talk about, you know, a 12 back proof of Luke and it sold for $800. And Steve and I are like, wow, $800. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just went back. I was listening to an episode um, from 2011. And I was just, I was amazed at, at where the hobby has, has grown since then. So yeah, looking forward to it. Anything you guys produce. Well, great. Well, thank you. I, I do. I do appreciate that. And definitely the nicest part is people feeling like they know people in the hobby just from listening. Uh, cause I, you know, people, when they get on the show, that really is who they are. So it, it always, it makes me happy when I hear like, you know, Ron's the best example that people walk up to him and say, Oh, I've heard you talk about all this. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's all part of the nice community we got yeah. going here. And, and, and it's, they, it's a real honor too, because I mean, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure your podcast is better than ours right now. <laughs> You've really been putting out a lot of really good stuff. So if we inspired you to do all this great stuff you're doing, then that's great. Um, cause, uh, yeah, because it's I'm very happy that uh, that other people are making good podcasts and and that it still works. So well, that's and and this this podcast, Star Wars Prototypes and Production, is really meant to be uh, you know uh, a companion piece to your podcast as well. And I think that's that's one of the most amazing things is that our friends produce this kind of stuff and we produce it together. Um, yeah. You know, and and what I've really what I have learned. Um, about prototypes, uh, just about collecting. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's really immeasurable, uh, and and that comes from the work that you and Steve put in, and and the fact that you decided to do this. I mean, you also had a hand. You were really um, one of the key people and responsible for starting, um, you know, uh, the uh, the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club. You know, um, having having such a role in that. Uh, and making that beautiful flag, which I still to this day hold is to me the the grail of collecting because that's you know what started it all. So yeah, well, I mean, def- definitely, uh, Tom, Tom, and Jason deserve the credit for starting the club. If if I deserve any credit, it's the California Club, which I created as uh, like it wasn't the first collector club, but it was the first collector club that was serious, but you didn't have to pay dues. So there are tons of other good collector clubs, like in 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 Pennsylvania and Ohio, but you had to pay dues. And it was like anybody, like it just, it had a, it didn't feel quite as cool or as laid back. And then there were other clubs like in, in new England, but like they never had a name and they didn't have a flag. So uh, if anything, that, that was the, the thing that the sort of the California mode of club making, which has sort of spread a little bit throughout the country. That, that is something I'm, I'm happy kind of spread. Cause those are my favorite kind of meetings just where you just get together and hang around with, six to 20 people. So, yeah, it's immensely special. And I mean, the friendships that have come out of things like that too, uh, I'm just, I'm so thankful that we have it on the, on the East coast as well, you know, and that we're all a part of it. So, um, and it's also been nice. And I, I, again, I think your podcast has a lot to do with this, but our groups have, 
have grown. You know, we've we've all become part of the California clubs and mm-hmm. you know the the Georgia group and and the the, um, the Northeast club and the Empire State and all of the ones in between. Um, and I think that you know there's a sense where we we've just all we've all kind of melded together into these groups, especially during the pandemic. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it's basically just the same club, but we all meet at different people's houses every day, every day, you know, (laughs) are we going over to Georgia's? Yeah. Yeah. Go over to Georgia's. Let's go. (laughs) Oh man, they got Sega at Georgia's. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Uh, It's a beautiful thing. And and we never, you know, we stay young this way too. So yeah, it's true. Okay, so before we start with your your six stories, I just uh, I'm going to hit you with a, a quick six. Okay, uh, which again I, I always say is never really I've learned it, they're never quick, and that's okay. Um, but it's just you know some uh, six questions that I just came up with um, that I was curious to ask you, and that I think people would would like to know. Great. Um, so one of the best things to come out of doing the podcast uh, seems to be your long term friendship with Steve Danley. Yes. Um, can you share a favorite moment that you've spent with him? There've been a lot of great moments. So I'll just take one. Uh, he was officiating my wedding, um, uh, after a couple years after I had officiated his wedding and we were in, uh, Rhode Island two years ago and, uh, we were, we were wearing our, so we decided to buy these, um, Pepsi swimsuits with matching tops. <laughs> My family bought, we bought like six of them and everyone had them. So Steve and I are wearing these matching Pepsi swimsuit gear. And Steve was wearing uh, an old Darth Vader helmet that we found in the basement, like, you know, one of the seventies costumes. <laughs> and, and we were like just standing on top of this rock, looking at the ocean and talking. Uh, I, I think that was probably it. That was probably, that, you know, that just that kind of moment of being together, uh, you know, and, and starting from this very weird point, because the, the first time that Steve and I met was on the campus of Santa Barbara, and he's seven years younger than me, which isn't that big of a deal. But when you're like 27 and you meet someone who's 20, that they're just way too young. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was like, "Hey, what's up? Oh, cool!" And like, I wasn't mean to him, but uh, to to think that you know that sort of random, I was eating a burrito that that random moment in 2005 or whatever would then, you know, 15 years later, whatever it is, uh, end up just sort of uh, participating in each other's lives so closely. So that's my uh, not so quick answer for my, my favorite Stephen B. Danley moment. Oh, that's a beautiful one. Uh, and it is nice that, you know, you both took part in each other's weddings. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, number two, what is the best lesson you've learned from another collector? Best lesson I've learned from another collector. You know, Boy, all right, we'll have to think. Oh, hey, this is great. You get to edit out me thinking. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh no God. problem. <laughs> oh, this is so nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can stretch out a little bit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best lesson I learned from someone else collecting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a goofy one, but um, I think I've learned a lot from Yehuda, uh, Yehuda Kleinman, who uh, I sort of consider myself to know two people who I'd consider, consider geniuses of collecting. One of them is Ron Salvatore and the other is Yehuda. Um, and they're similar in certain ways and they collect. Um, but Yehuda has this this sort of like, he has this instinct for like what to collect. And he doesn't make a big deal out of it, but he just sort of gets the sense that maybe he should collect something. And then he sort of does it and then he learns about it. And he, he doesn't get too excited about it, but at the same time, he's very dedicated. So I think I've learned a lot just kind of seeing that from him. Um, because he, he just sort of seems to have this good sense of like, 
a sort of following instinct because I think I often will sort of doubt myself too much or just be like, I don't know, should I really get it? Does it really fit? Uh, so I sort of try to have like a little Yehuda in my head, just sort of saying, oh, you should get it, you know. And, and then if I'm really questioning myself, I'll, I'll call Yehuda. And then he always tells me to buy whatever <laughs> whatever it is I'm asking <laughs> him if I should get, which is very useful. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's uh, that that's a really good lesson. I mean, the there's sort of a, a communal lesson, which really, I mean, you know, I started back on the on Rebel Scum when, when it was on the forums. And just the, the basic concept that everyone just kept drilling drilling down was just research on the archive, research on the archive. And it, it used to be that that was the, just the ultimate, like, no matter what you said to any question, there'd be five people who jump in and say, just go to the archive. And I think from the, the collective wisdom from back then, I think that's where I learned most of the things that I learned was just that that, that was what people said. You know, it, was, it wasn't do your research. It was like, go to this place and learn. Yeah, which is amazing too to have a resource like that. I mean, we still use it to this day. Uh, yeah, pretty incredible. I'm I'm glad you brought up the thing about Yehuda though, because I think um, I see this uh, in investing, you know, in in stocks, and mm-hmm. I also see this in collecting as well. Where if if we have somebody who is able to kind of not not maybe show us exactly what to what to buy or what to collect, but show us a, a formula. You know, or um, yep. they kind of help us to see what feels right. So that that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, in one sentence, describe one of the wildest moments you can remember from a collecting event. How will we get the whipped cream off of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so we we had the the throw the pie at the sky <laughs> competition at, at the second archive party I think it was, and um, people just did not have very good aim, <laughs> and the pie a couple of the pies went whizzing past me. You know we rent these so you know if you don't know what the archive party is uh, the Star Wars Collectors Archive Party puts on a party. I mean the archive puts on a party every celebration. It's usually on the Thursday of of the celebration and we all get together and we raise money for charity and all that. And so we come up with stupid games and on one of these stupid games, I, I had people throwing pies in my face and like, I just got so nervous because you pay, you put down a safety deposit and all this stuff. And like, you just can't get whipped cream like out of this weird sort of like the carpet and the wall. So I don't, I don't, I, they never, charged us or anything but that's that's probably the wildest moment was was sort of that the whole accumulation at the end of the night sitting there completely tired and just being like how do we get whipped cream out of the wall <laughs> i was there for that i think that was my first collecting event that i'd ever attended oh, that, uh, and that, that was, was a good one <laughs> it was amazing yes <laughs> the image of you in the costume will always stay with me too but yeah. uh it was that was it was such a fun day so really thank you for for providing something like that because uh it just you know, especially as, as a first experience, it was, uh, it's, it's one that's hard to top. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, of the more than 100 episodes that you and Steve have produced, which episode is a personal favorite of yours? Wow. Personal. See, part of the problem, I don't know if you had the same problem. I have uh, podcast amnesia. So the second after I record something, I forget everything I said, every joke I made, every <laughs> sure. piece that we talked about. I mean, I've, I've had, I've interviewed the same person twice and then said to them, you should be on the show sometime. <laughs> um, 
so if I had to, if I had to think a favorite, um, I mean, I, I guess because it jumps out. Uh, so I really enjoyed the one that we did last year. It was kind of a personal favorite where we talked about Yugoslavia and collectibles because my wife is from Yugoslavia. And we talked mm-hmm. about Icelandic collectibles because Steve's from from Iceland. Like that was a very nice personal one. But maybe maybe the one that we did where we talked about Disney buying uh, Star Wars and we did that with whole you know I think it was with Ron and Gus and Chris we don't always get all three we rarely get them all on at the same time and I remember that just being super fun and this kind of weird sense of like hey what's going to happen to our hobby <laughs> what's going to happen to <laughs> to the franchise um, yeah but it's like I don't I. I wouldn't say they're all my babies. I'd sort of say none of them are my babies. Like I, I just sort of have, like, I remember moments and I remember certain events, but uh, I don't know if I really have one that definitely, definitely jumps out as, as the best one. Well, mm. I wonder if what Steve would say. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll be asking him a, a similar question at some okay. point, hopefully. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll have a better answer. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to make this a two-part one because I have okay. so many questions for you. I'm trying to fit six. Um, you also do a YouTube series called Professor Sky's Record Review, which yes. I love, uh, and oh, it, in, in which uh, you provide thoughtful and long-form analysis about contemporary albums and the, and the artists that compose them. What is one album that surprised you? A lot of them surprised me because the whole idea behind the show was that I, music was the most important thing in my whole life up until I hit like 25 years old. And then I just decided that all music sucked. <laughs> um, so I realized that that was my fault. It wasn't music's fault. So when I, my 41st birthday, I'm like, well, screw it. I'm just going to listen to music now. Um, so as far as like things that surprised me, um, I suppose that like sometimes when I like music that's very popular right now, that surprises me. So uh, Playboy Cardi is like this weird futuristic like trap rapper guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more intellectual or, you know, highfalutin in my taste in rap music usually. Um, but I really actually enjoyed that album. And my kids made fun of me because they thought it was bad. And then now they all agree that it's a great album. So when you, get to, good. Be cool, when you get to be cooler than your teenage uh, kids – that's pretty good mm. i'd say that that was one of the big surprises um but it's the thing about part of the reason why i like doing the show is, is you just if you listen to new music you know every day you discover that there's just more good music than you can even possibly talk about and that's uh it's a very kind of life-affirming thing so the, the whole show is a surprise because every week i have to work to cut down to three because you know i could do five or six uh good that's, that's the other thing, which maybe you'd like because you're a very positive person. I don't do any negative reviews because I think that's a waste of time. So not only do I listen to new music, but I only talk about the stuff I like. And uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd say probably that that Playboy Cardi was was the biggest surprise. And then just, you know, I've discovered that there's good rap music out of Ghana. And I never would have thought about that. I discovered good rap music in Germany. Um, I, I've just found a lot of interesting stuff from just sort of all over the world and all different kinds of genres. Yeah, I've been listening to your your um, video series, and I have to tell you, I, I just love it uh, because I think it is. I think a lot of videos tend to be clickbaity, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think you offer truly thoughtful and and uh, 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 respectful um, analysis of the the albums that you listen to. 
Um, one of the ones I listened to recently that I just loved was uh, the, the uh, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. Oh yes. Um, and I, I just I thought you did a fantastic job of explaining that her music has has this quality that that draws people in and yet keeps people at a distance in a, in almost a, a mystic I, I believe you said like a mystical way. Yeah. Um, and really really solid solid analysis. So I thought oh, that was well, cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, Amnesia. So when you said that, I'm like, well, that's a really good description. <laughs> oh, I said that? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's nice. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun because, you know, Steve has his, his outlet, which is his other podcast about, about Star Wars movies. And then I had this other thing. So it's kind of funny. We have our sort of solo gigs and then we get together and, you know, perform as, uh, as podcasters. Mm. It's, it's funny. Well, and that's going to lead me to my second part of this question, because as I said, I'm trying to stay under under six here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's what's um, what's something that you learned from doing a video series, and then what's something that you learned from producing a podcast? Well, from doing the video series, uh, I mean, I've learned a lot. A lot of it was because my uh, my now ex girlfriend, um, her her kid was just really into YouTube, and her kid was a couple years older than mine, and I, I realized that. YouTube is, I mean, it's very clear to anybody who already knows that it is completely the future of all entertainment. But I didn't know that at that point, Um, that I was seeing the level of like discourse that that you can be exposed to. And it's the highest level of discourse you can look for. Right. I mean, if you look on YouTube and you look for smart analysis, you can find things as smart as you can in a university or at a lecture series, whatever it is. So uh, I just. I've just learned that there's a certain way you have to talk. There's a certain way uh, you have to like interact with the camera and you have to interact with a sort of imaginary audience. And there's just a whole kind of uh, whole kind of way of presenting yourself, which is both a performance and a reality, which is not that unlike podcasting, but it's very different when your face is on there. Um, right. Especially because you know, I worry so much about my hair, and I worry, and like I keep getting zits, and you know, there's all these outtakes, uh, which uh, are, I don't always show, but yeah. Um, so then, and then as as far as the podcasting goes, um, I mean, I think with with both of with both of the the shows, what I've realized is that you know, I, I mean, I just have a lot, I have a lot that I want to say, and it's really nice to say stuff and have it that when people hear you say the things they chose to hear you because I don't want to like bore my family. I don't want to bore my friends. So it's kind of nice like that. Um, and so the, the podcast just sort of taught me that, you know, it's okay. Like I may, I may bore people sometimes, you know, or I may frustrate them or sometimes people may want to, you know, change the, change the channel when they're talking to me. But, you know, if I put it into a podcast and I say, this is what the show is, there's, there's other podcasts, there's other, other YouTube channels. Like <laughs> yes. I, it doesn't hurt me if you listen to them, but here, here, I'm just going to go. Um, and that's, that's the sort of the number one sort of inspirational thing that I try to tell my kids, which is if there's something that you wish existed, then just make it exist. And then you don't have to worry about it because mm-hmm. that's, that's how the podcast started. Cause I'm like, why isn't there a podcast about vintage star Wars toys? I want that to exist. And it was, I just, okay, well, let's make it exist. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds easy, but it is not. And, and the fact that you've been able to do it so consistently for the last 11 years uh, is, is just amazing. It really is. 
Well, you, you say that, except we missed March. So oh, it's, it's going to be one of the first months that we've missed. And well, it's, well, we missed about one month a year. It, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're, uh, we're, we're a bunch of uh, old folks here. You've crossed the, the hundred episode mark though. So, I mean, yep. nobody can fault you for missing a month. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then final question. Um, what do you feel is your role within our collecting community? Huh. Um, that's a good question because I feel like I've had – it's weird because on the podcast and sort of the way that I am when I interact with people, I, I have this uh, sort of intentionally abrasive personality, kind of like intentionally arrogant, you know, like – like um, which is – you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a trait of myself, but at the same time, I, I also think that I'm a pretty good community builder and like, I've done a lot of good work, you know, with the party and the clubs and stuff like that. And the podcast of like really helping to build a community. So if I were to have one kind of role, it would be just pushing for just deep, like deeper, deeperness if that makes sense so like yeah, deeper sure. deeper connections with other collectors deeper levels of analysis of toys i mean i remember very very early on i i made the discovery that the way that hole punches were made in return of the jedi figures is what determined what figures were on the back so they had the short figures that would have been right where the hole punch was and I remember discovering that wow. and getting so excited and posting on Rebel Scum and I didn't have enough cred back then and nobody cared. And I'm like, yeah. And like, I now feel that I have enough outlets and I have enough places that if I make a discovery as silly and meaningless as that again, you know, that that might be something I could actually start a conversation on or get people on or, or just, I guess I'm a, I'm a deepering person and deepering isn't a word, but I, I would say that's, if there's one thing I could do, that's what I, I like to do is just sort of make things a little bit more more analytical, but also more connected. I actually, I have my Kanye West dictionary here. Deepering is a word. So <laughs> good, good. That's great. Yes. <laughs> no, my but, role in the hobby is to defend Kanye West. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, from, from an outsider's perspective, uh, I would say, or from somebody who is, who is not you, uh, who, who looks at you, I, I would say um, you are a voice in our hobby and you are somebody who has been able to turn things into a reality. Like you said, we, we have things like, you know, the archive party, um, we have collecting events and, and meetups and, uh, and, and something like a podcast as well. Um, because of the work that you've done and because you've, you've taken those actions to make that stuff happen. Um, well, that's, well, that's nice. Oh, and one, one more pitch for myself, just while I'm at it, cause sure. not, not all people know this, but also, I technically invented swag as well. Now, this is not a thing that people really know about, but it's actually my brother Bart invented it. My I want brother a shirt. Bart made these T-shirts that for for Celebration Three in two thousand and five uh, that said Moisture Farm instead of Pepperidge Farm, and I made fifty of them and gave them out to my collector friends on, from Rebel Scum. And this is generally recognized as the first piece of fan-made collector swag at a celebration. So. That's, I mean, that's really my brother Bart who did all the work. I was just the person hanging them out. Um, but if if I if I can give myself a weird little piece of credit there, I think that's kind of fun because swag's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into your six stories. All right. Uh, so if you have them, let's start with story number one. All right, David. Well, I, you know, I I got everything set up and I tried to think what is the most David Quinnish kind of stuff I could do. So I'm going to be really focusing. I am going to tell a story. It's going to be a story about my collecting of Chewbacca and my relationship to other people 
my relationship to the hobby. So the first image is an image that I love to share. Uh, it is an image of a uh, Micro Machines Chewbacca head, a Power of the Force 2 Chewbacca, and a vintage Chewbacca all on a single piece of wood. This was from my apartment in Watertown, Massachusetts in 1996. And this is, I didn't, so I first used the term Chuseum in around 2003. Up until then, I called it the Chewbacca altar. And this was the first ever Chewbacca altar. And the reason that it means so much to me is that this was, this was when they just come out with all the Power of the Force 2 toys. And I said to myself, I can't buy everything. I just have to pick one <laughs> character and I'm just going to get everything of that character. And so I chose Chewbacca. <laughs> so even though I'm not one of the first focus collectors in the hobby in terms of like, you know, a vintage, very serious collector, um, I, I, I am a, a very early actually just having one Chewbacca. And I do have both those items still in my collection. Um, and they're, you know, somewhere upstairs, uh, but that's, that's one of my favorite items. Cause I don't even know why I took, I mean, I had a Polaroid. Why did I take a Polaroid of just these three toys? It just looks so sad. <laughs> and it's right above a Paul Clay poster that I found in the trash that was all busted up. You know, I was living with my two friends, actually members of, of my band, uh, Brad and Keith. And that was kind of another thing that, you know, they were my friends from high school and from college. And then what I realized is that uh, they were the last friends I would make who weren't Star Wars collectors, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> basically ever since then, all my friends have been Star Wars collectors. That's awesome. So, so that's my, my first story. I don't know if you want me to go more into that or, or if you want me to just keep going. Because this is the crucial thing. This was before eBay. And so if there was any representation of Chewbacca, I had to buy it. So with the other micro machine heads, if they had a Chewbacca, I would buy like the R2D2 and I'd open it up and I'd take out the Chewbacca and I'd throw the rest of it away. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to get every version. So all those, like whatever toys there were, I would just take the Chewbacca and then throw away the spares. Wow. So, yeah. And that, that became the early start to the Chuseum. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was the early start. And then, and then, uh, when I, I moved to Boston from Watertown, it's a suburb of, of Boston, I moved into Boston and I, I still kind of had the collection. And then at that point, my brother Bart told me, hey, have you heard about eBay? I was like, no, that sounds fishy. He's like, yeah. I'm like, you have to give your credit card? He's like, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it was only through that that I was able to finally get the Chewbacca, the Snuva, the Chewbacca as a bounty hunter, which I've been looking for for years. And the, the Beanie Baby with the other bowcaster. Uh, but once, once I realized I could spend money on the internet and not get robbed, that absolutely changed everything. And that's what leads to, uh, to, to my second item, which is a completely run of the mill 12 back Chewbacca. And, uh, that was, so in 2003, I would just go, there's a, a Tom Derby, uh, who's very well known in the hobby. He used to be known as a dealer primarily for his, uh, his store, Cloud City Collectibles, uh, which was in Norcross, Georgia, and was like, they had everything. And so I remember I, I would look, I would go online and I would just look at their collection at all times. And I remember it was $325. I'd never spent more than $20 on a Chewbacca item. <laughs> um, I was living in LA at the time with my friends, uh, not my Star Wars friends yet. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And I, and I told myself, I'm going to buy one Star Wars, one Empire Strikes Back, and one Return of the Jedi. And then I will never buy another Chewbacca. <laughs> That's all I'm going to do. 
so so I bought this and uh, it's an, it's an AFA 75 at the you know when you're a newer collector um, older collectors don't give enough credit to newer collectors and you know they give them grief for only buying graded stuff uh, but it really makes sense because when you're just starting you don't want to be fooled and you don't necessarily want to know everything mm-hmm. so it has a terrible uh, ticker uh, uh, sticker tear but other than that it was just perfect and I remember I was 26 maybe when I got this and I remember friends of mine had a house party somewhere in Los Feliz <laughs> it's a part of Los Angeles and I brought I brought it with me <laughs> because I had just spent the whole day just looking at it and I thought my friends will think this is cool. <laughs> and they looked at it and they're like, that's cool. Why is it in a case? <laughs> uh, you know, I love this item. And, you know, this was in the very early days. I made a website um, back in the I'm, I'm going to be working on a, on a blog post, I hope, for the archive about collecting websites. Because there used to be a lot more collecting websites because you couldn't really host images on the forums, right? So if you're a Facebook collector, imagine... If you couldn't show pictures on Facebook, that's what collecting was like. You had to find (laughs) photo buckets or you had to make a website in order to show off what you had. It was insane. Like it was, it was so, so like, so I started the chooseum.com, which unfortunately a credit card expired and now they want me to pay $4,000 to get the domain back. Oh my gosh. I, uh, (laughs) It was great having that when I had it, um, but this was the, the thing I was, you know, super proud to put on there. And I wrote up, I, I wrote a story about it, and I took pictures about it, and I made it. You know, all of my brother Bart still, who was my sort of uh, mentor in uh, all things technological and collecting. And yeah, I just remember just putting this picture up, and, I, and the the subtitle that I put underneath this piece was so unpunched. <laughs> Because I just thought that was the coolest thing. Because when you start collecting, you can't believe that there are still toys out there that are unpunched. I mean, where was this? How, Absolutely. How this? Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I, I'm, I always ask on our podcast, you know, what's your burning house item? And that's not my burning house item. I'd be fine if that burned up. But that it's probably my most sentimental piece, even more than the Endor head. Because um, I'm much more interested in my collecting as an adult than I am in my playing as a child, if that makes sense. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I think that's one of the things that helped me to shift even more toward, um, toward modern pieces um, yeah. was that, you know, I just, I, I started to become connected to these characters that were in shows like the Clone Wars and Rebels and in movies like The Force Awakens and um, loved my childhood, loved playing with those toys. And I still have some of my childhood, most of my childhood uh, toys, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I carry a heavy sentimentality for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's very kind of freeing too. And, and I don't know. So that's, so it's funny cause you, you, you made me go down to six. So that, that was tough. So I had to, I had to cut out a lot of things. So I'm trying to, trying to keep this sort of narrative thread. So first we have, we have the, the, the Endor head, the micro machines head back in Watertown. Then we have the, the carded figure that I carried around to a party in LA. I'm not going to jump way ahead to one of the most bizarre items in my collection. It's called an EMI monster series cyborg. Story number three. Story number three. So this is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've shown this before, but it is a bootleg, a Japanese bootleg (laughs) of Chewbacca as a cyborg wearing a (laughs) banana grass skirt. (laughs) 
And I, I tell the story for a few reasons. I mean, one, it's just a beautiful, bizarre item. It really um, I was is. lucky enough to get two. And on my on my webpage, I actually built it so you can actually see what it looks like. It's, it doesn't look anything like it does on the box. Um, it, it is part of the, the weirdness. Part of the reason I love collecting Chewbacca is just how much weird stuff there is out there. I mean, truly weird stuff. But also, this is like when I think about the hobby and collecting you know, if I if I say the name the Swidge, nobody will know who I'm talking about. And the reason no one knows who I'm talking about is because the Swidge only collected for like four years. Wow. He was this guy who lived in Japan. He had an amazing amount of knowledge about Star Wars toys in Japan. He had he had all the best Simpsons references, you know, like all the great kind of cultural references. He was super smart, super with it. And he sent me this for free. Like he sent me this totally bizarre Chewbacca thing wow. for free. And this was, you know, before the podcast, like I was just some guy on Rebel Scum and we talked. His name was John. And uh, and whenever I see it, it's funny because it makes me sad, but it also just kind of reminds me, you know, that newer collectors come and newer collectors go and sometimes like you're happy that they go because they suck and they show up and they spend a lot of money and then <laughs> sure. they, and then they, they 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 just burn out like that happens nine out of ten times but sometimes awesome people come and go and and this this item is just a reminder of like i hope the switch is doing well i don't know you know i don't know where he is i haven't heard from him in well i know in a decade at least uh but yeah. this item is a is a, a small reminder of like what it was like to collect on Rebel Scum and what it was like to, to have this friendship. That's really cool. And it, it is a, uh, a strikingly, it, it, it's an amazing piece. It really is. <laughs> I think maybe now that there's going to be King Kong versus Godzilla, I think I should bring it out again because it's basically King Kong shooting a Godzilla ray out of his mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, it seems as though, yeah, it seems, yeah, it, it really is a great piece. And, yeah. And that, that was part of what I love is just, and the thing that people don't understand, and I, I get, I best, I imagine you get this as well. People always ask me, how is there enough to talk about? And it's kind of like how there's like, there's too much good music. Like if I did a weekly podcast about vintage Star Wars collecting, I would still not cover everything. There's so much stuff that comes up. There's so much stuff I thought about. There's so many things like this totally bizarre global phenomena just is a never ending pit of interesting stuff, you know? And, and more stuff keeps showing up uh, like weekly or monthly, you know, stuff that we've either never seen before or somebody else has been collecting and they introduce, sorry, introduce us to it. And, you know, again, a lot of times it, uh, you could, you, I would even say you could fill up a daily podcast if you wanted to. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know if we could, you know, as long as our podcasts tend to get. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's true. Although we have been getting shorter because Steve has a baby now and he always has to put her to sleep, which is actually kind of nice because sometimes the, the podcast can get a little bit long. So, so that, that was, uh, that was story number three. That's the great, uh, Emai Chewbacca. And I, I, I use that as an example of both the bizarre things that I love in my collection and also this nice, uh, this nice connection. Um, another story, uh, the story number four is a return of the Jedi Chewbacca Chromalin. And I like to tell this story because this, uh, this is something I got in a trade. And I don't trade much because I only collect Chewbacca and I don't like losing anything. 
So the story behind this is, you know, it's a beautiful chromalin. If you've never held a chromalin before, you don't actually know how cool they look in person, the very rich, rich colors. What is a chromalin? So a uh, chromalin is a part of the, uh, of making the card backs for the toys. And it's the sort of the first time that you sort of, you see the, the photo and the text and everything all together on one piece of paper. And the paper is called chromalin. It's a copyright of, DuPont, of the DuPont company. And it's, people talk about proof cards, but proof cards is actually kind of a fake term because when they make a proof card, they've already decided what it's going to look like. The actual proofing was done on these chromalins. And usually chromalins number in the one of one, sometimes one of two, uh, but in general, they're extremely rare. And because the way they're printed, just the, the colors are so rich and so deep. Uh, and they're really hard to get. And I had collected Chewbacca for a long time and thought I would just never, ever get one. And I, so there's a couple things. So one of the, the bizarre things I did when I started collecting vintage was I went on Cloud City, Cloud City Collectibles, and they had for sale the original photo art of Chewbacca on Endor. So original photo art is the actual piece, the photo that the, the, the designers airbrushed and that they sent and that all images that have Chewbacca and Endor come from this one piece of art. It's a one of a kind. It's the equivalent of the sculpt for the card back. And here I am, just some dumb guy in his first year of grad school out in Santa Barbara. And I'm looking through here and I'm on Rebel Scum and I see all these giants of collecting and all these great collectors. And I see on Cloud City Collectibles for $2,000, the original photo art for Chewbacca. And I sent probably five emails like, is this really what you say it is? And they say, yes. And so I bought this thing like right off the bat. Like it was, I, I didn't even have a Return of the Jedi carded figure. And I bought the card, the, the original card art because, you know, like, like I was saying before about Yehuda and instincts, like my instincts were just going off. Like I just had to own this. So I immediately pissed off all the other Chewbacca characters. <laughs> They all were sitting there think, looking at that. They were. They all messaged me to say they were just about to buy it. <laughs> they all said that they didn't buy it already because there isn't a lot of airbrushing on it and it doesn't look that cool. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> and you know that was back in 2004 when I was a young whippersnapper, right? That's when I was the new kid on the block who had too much money and not enough sense. That's when I was sending too many questions. You know, why is Luke's lightsaber yellow? You know, I, I was doing all that. You know, like we all have to do that at some point. Sure. And so one of the people who I who I was talking to, one of the great Chewbacca collectors, who told me that I priced him out of collecting Chewbacca, uh, is Derek Ho, who at that point was only known as Uncle Gundy because that was his his uh, screen name on Rebel Scum. And so he has a famously great collection. And I saw an image of this chromalin. And I didn't even know what it was. And so I emailed him and I'm like, this is the coolest thing. If you ever think about selling, let me know. I'd love to have that proof card. <laughs> and so he had to tell me like, it's actually not a proof and it's a chromalin. And I felt like I'm <laughs> such an idiot. I don't even know what chromalin is. And I go on the archive and I'm looking up chromalins and I'm like, okay, and I'm doing all this. And, you know, you know, it was just a dream. I was reading Word Up magazine. You know, I'm just like... <laughs> The idea of ever owning this piece was so far away because how would I ever figure out how to trade with somebody who's as cool and as connected with such a good collection as him? And so I, you know, and I'm not a very aggressive collector either. I don't, I don't bully people around, 
But over time, my run on the second photo art of Chewbacca had grown. So I had the original photo art and I had a different chromalin and I had all the known existing proofs at all the, the foreign variations. And so I'm just like trying to come up with all these different ways. And it took, I think, five years for me to get a trade going with Derek. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I traded him two one-of-a-kind Chewbacca proofs plus a one-of-a-kind low-grade proof. And, uh, and you know, there was just such an exciting moment. And so, like, I love this thing because it's a, a, an important collectible, but also it's just when you start collecting and you see other people's collections, you think, I will never, ever do that. I will never be at that level. I can never do that. And really, it's like anything else. It just takes patience and money, you know, mm-hmm. and like with patience, you'll get enough money, right? Like, right. You know, you can say it and, and that, yeah. So that's, uh, that's why I chose that. And, and interestingly, it's, it's, um, it's main, it's still one of my favorite pieces. And when I look at it, I still feel a little bit embarrassed for thinking it was a proof card. <laughs> uh, that's, I would say what 95% of the of collectors don't know how to accurately describe a chromalin. And so that's yeah. okay. So we, we all learn together. So that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And, and it, you know, you keep talking about new things, uh, you know, being discovered all the time. And, you know, I've recently managed to add something to this run and I can't go into any more detail when I can go into more detail, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about it on the podcast. Um, but just like, it's, it's unbelievable. Like I never thought I'd ever be able to add anything. And then I'm able to add this thing and then here and there. And it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it, it is just never, never, even something as ridiculously pinpointed as a specific photo variation of a specific figure, even that is never ending. Wow, that's wonderfully exciting. And uh, and hopefully you'll be able to share a little more on a future episode. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm very good at keeping secrets, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the the next item is uh, is a very personal one. Um, it is a 3D printed copy of uh, Chewbacca's um, bowcaster of his vintage. Well, as you hopefully know, they didn't actually make a bowcaster for Kenner because they got too cheap. That's why if you look at the original photo art, they airbrushed out the uh, the crossbar so it doesn't look like a bowcaster. Oh yeah. So instead, it's a laser. Yeah, that, that's one of those things I discovered early on and no one else cared about. <laughs> but yeah, so so you'd think that I wouldn't care about this item that much because when I was a kid, my mom would open up all the toys and throw away the guns because she doesn't like guns, you know. Um, and and so because of that, you know, I've I have over four hundred loose Chewbaccas. Uh, I I army built with Chewbacca starting in 2004. And at that point, I was the only person army building anything other than stormtroopers. And I was the only person army building with something other than stormtroopers until about 2011. Like there was a long time where no one else thought this was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the guns never mattered to me. So I got them really cheap. But this 3D printed thing uh, was a gift to me but from Bob Martinazzi. So there was a collector event uh, in the DC area and he, you know, he's been on the show many times and I love his Luke Jedi collection. And so we went there and we recorded something in the basement that actually, to tell you the truth, you asked me before, what's one of my favorite episodes, the interview that I did with Bob in his basement 
when Ron Salvatore was on the couch and Yehuda was on the couch and they were both completely asleep, strong <laughs> logs. If you listen carefully enough, they're snoring. And, and, and Bob had just one of the absolute greatest collections. And, you know, he had the droid that danced with Michelle Obama and all that stuff. You know, he designed all that. Um, so, you know, and, and during this trip, he gave me this 3d printed, uh, laser rifle and it's awesome. And I brought it home and my, my son picked it up and like walked around the neighborhood and like did the PQs <laughs> with it. You know, it's really solid and really awesome. Yeah. And as most people know, he, he passed a couple of years ago. Um, and that's a little bit like the, the switch story, you know, that like people come and people go and it's, it's sad, but what really matters is, you know, what, how you're able to appreciate them and what connections you're able to make, you know, when they're with you. And uh, so I just, I love this item. It reminds me of him, of just someone who always, his door was always open. He was always sharing his information. He had an amazing collection, but he was never intimidating. He was just, he was sort of like the best of what collectors can be. So that's a, uh, a, a, a sort of a bizarre item that I see it and it makes me happy. And then I cry. <laughs> Sky, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm a, huge Luke Jedi fan. I mean, I don't really have a, a focus, but if I did, I mean, he would be my focus. And, um, cause he's just my favorite figure, my favorite character. And that Luke Jedi episode, the, the recording from, from Bob's uh, place, uh, is one of my absolute favorite episodes uh, from your podcast of all time. And I I've listened to it so many times. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, um, that was actually one of the ones that, that I really connected with, um, before I had really become part of the community. And I just, you know, remember hearing, as you said about, it was uh, Yehuda and Ron, you know, who were, who were sleeping on the couches. And I, I just thought with everything going on, it, it just seemed to be so exciting and yet so casual. And I, I, I just remember saying to myself, I really want to be a part of this someday and I hope I can be. So. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'll, I'll retroactively go back and say that was our best episode. <laughs> that, that was definitely, and, that, and, and, you know, that is one of the things that we've tried to say with our show is wherever we are, you can be too. You know, that's the thing that we used to say, you know, because whoever would actually listen to our podcast is definitely cool enough to, cool enough to hang out with us. Right. <laughs> Cause it's pretty obscure and it's lots of inside jokes and it's like, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a, a large audience podcast. So that there is something nice about that where we were able to say that, just say wherever we are, just, just say, Hey, what's up, Wampa Wampa. And let's, let's just hang out. So, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That's definitely a special episode for many reasons. That's wonderful. And then, and then story number six, David is I am actually going to be unveiling something that is in the museum that I have not told anybody about. Wow. Okay. It's tying in to a, an episode of the Kive cast that we haven't recorded yet. That is going to be a crossover episode with you. <laughs> what I'm looking forward to, yes. Yes. So what you see here, what I'm going to be talking about now, is a sculpt for Chewbacca that was made when Playmates was making a pitch to get the license for Star Wars. So before they gave it to Kenner, they had other toy companies like try to do their best to get the, the Star Wars license. And... David and I are going to find people who know something about this. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about like just doing it on our show, but your work on modern prototypes is so good. It would be a shame not to have you on there. And I thought, oh, we could do a crossover episode. That'd be kind of a fun thing. So I don't know exactly who we're going to be talking to, but a lot of people, um, a lot of people who've been on your show a lot, you know, like 
like uh, like Matt and maybe even Gary as well and, and Stephen Ward and hopefully CJ Fawcett are going to get all together and talk about the failed pitches uh, of Star Wars and like what were all the companies that were involved and what do they produce? Because this sculpt is amazing. I cannot believe I managed to get it. Um, one piece of advice I would give to new collectors is if people know you for something and they offer you something for sale, just say yes. Like, like you can haggle over a hundred dollars. If you're haggling over less than $500, just say yes. Because being the kind of guy who just, you know, maybe thinks about it for a second, but just, just do it. You know, if you're out there and you have a Chewbacca sculpt, just hit me up. I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. this, and it's, it's a, it's a really cool sculpt. It's a great expression. It's obviously much better than the sculpt that Hasbro went with when they went with the, the He-Man stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm nostalgic for that because I love the nineties and all that, but I mean, realistically, it's not a great Chewbacca sculpt. Uh, this has a, a the great expression where it's sort of angry and sort of warm at the same time. And I don't have many sculpts in my collection. Um, that's not, never something I've been focused on. And I'm not, I'm not a big spender, right? Like I'm not a, I'm not someone who, who I don't have a huge collecting budget, but this definitely um, it's, I don't add that many things a year just because I have a lot of stuff in my Chewbacca collection, but this was just great. And I can't wait to get together you know, with you and with CJ and with the rest of them to, to talk about this. And, and, uh, I chose this because, it, you know, I wanted to start all the way with my weird little Chewbacca Endor head on a pedestal in, in Watertown, Massachusetts, and just kind of a sad image, but I'm just, you know, a college kid and I'm living with my buddies and you know whatever it is. And then we're kind of here now. And then this, this to me represents the future, you know, it represents like, you know, like your like our friendship is growing and like the relationship between our podcasts is growing and the, the, the modern prototype market is growing. And I feel like I have investment in that and I'm learning about it from you and I'm you know contributing to, to, to the knowledge base. And it's all just, uh, it's, it's really nice. So that's, that's what this, this, uh, sixth image represents to me. It, it will be the first thing we talk about when we, uh, when we do our show together. <laughs> And I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be doing a crossover episode because uh, I, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. And especially, you know, the the gentleman that you mentioned, uh, you know, they're all they're all good friends of ours and uh, and really special uh, collectors. Um, and so it, it it will be so nice to uh, to to put the, our, our two podcasts together. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was hesitant because like you you've been doing so much good work in this area that I didn't want you to feel like I was pressuring you because I know you have a lot of respect for our show. So I wanted to make sure that you were totally free to say, Sky, back off. I was getting to that and I would just be like totally cool and I, I would cheerlead for you on the side, just so you know. I didn't uh, I didn't want to hone in on your gig. No, Sky, you could have asked me to do a podcast episode about the whipped cream uh, on the <laughs> okay. walls from, from Celebration and I, I would have signed on immediately. So, uh, you know, again, and this is really this is really what it comes down to. And I love that you end on on this note. Um in addition to, you know, taking us through your journey as well, too, but um, to highlight the fact that something like this uh, means so much to you. It's a special piece. Uh, I can't wait for everyone to see the, the images of the, of the sculpt because it is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but then also that it's it's uh, sort of, you know, a, a bridge between our, our two podcasts. Uh, I think that's that's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, let's. 
I mean, I mean, it, it's when you gave me the task of trying to find six items, I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's exactly my sort of analytical thinking or whatever it is that I bring to the hobby or the deeper ring, whatever it is. <laughs> like, oh, great. What are the, how can I make a David Quinnish story out of my, out of my collection room? Okay, that's good. No, I can't do a photo art. That doesn't make sense. That's just me buying something. Okay. I yeah. Yeah. No. And you picked, you, you picked six beautiful stories too. Uh, and, and that's what I love about the series. Cause I, I, I feel like, and I, I tell most people um, when we're recording that it's, it's never really about the items. Uh, it's it's yeah. really an, it's it's kind of a cleverly disguised way to just hang out with two people, um, yeah. you know, for for an hour or so, and, uh, and and to hear what means something to you, you know, and 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 why you feel a certain way about our community and you know our friends and and these these pieces that mean something to you, and as a result, they mean something to us. So. Well, it's, it's funny because whenever people come to the museum, you know, like strangers or not strangers, but people who don't collect and they come in and I and they ask me a couple of questions and they say, oh, do you mind asking? And then I say, I could talk for an hour about every <laughs> item in this room. And usually I don't mean it as a threat, but usually <laughs> people leave after I say that. <laughs> but it's like this, this bootleg votive candle of Chewbacca well, okay, this is what's interesting about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's what's wonderful, though, about our friends, right? And, and about the, you know, the way that you and I collect and, and all of our friends collect is that um, if you were to go through, um, you know, different people's collections, like we had that at the very beginning of the pandemic, people started, you know, live streaming their collections mm -hmm. and they would take an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it was. Um, I think Gus Lopez did, um, he did one night a... a he did it, he did it daily every night for like a, a week or two, you know, where he went yeah. through his whole collection. But it's so special because it's not like, oh yeah, I bought that on eBay and I, you know, I paid this for it and I, I got this. Like it's it's these really passionate, wonderful stories, um, you know, and, and sharing the, the details about a piece or the story behind where you got it and what what your your frame of mind was at the time. And and I think that stuff is just it's so meaningful and so special. So yeah, well, I'm glad. I guess I should have mentioned that the 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 Endor head that I got, I got that at Toys R Us. So just just <laughs> so you know, I got that at Toys R Us in Fresh Pond in Massachusetts back when Toys R Us has existed. And I will tell you, back in the '90s, I said we will one day be nostalgic for Toys R Us, and nobody right. believed me. And I said we'll one day be nostalgic for Blockbuster. I'm like, no, we can't be nostalgic for Blockbuster because they closed down all the local video stores. I'm like, yeah, you're you're nostalgic for those now. And I called it big. I called it big fish nostalgia. Like, you're in the future, you're going to be big fish nostalgia. And now here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely right because we're all because you know I'm not nostalgic about Toys R Us when I was a kid. I'm nostalgic about Toys R Us when I was trying to complete my collection of Attack of the Clones toys. You know, looking for the Yoda that was short packed or whatever on the first week. Like that, you know, those are my memories. Yeah, yeah. I was I was teaching uh, during that time. I was I was a substitute, a long term substitute teacher, uh, working on um, getting my foot in the door to become a, a teacher at a, a junior high in high school. And so I was working at the junior high at the time and, um, the attack of the clones figures had come out. Uh, I think they came out either that day or, and so I had a break and from my schedule. And so I, I ran out and I, I got the, the, the toys. And when I came back, um, 
I realized that I had actually, I missed one of my classes. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> and the kids just, they, they pretty much just sat there waiting for me to show oh, up. Wow. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's good. Did you get the Yoda? Uh, I, oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I that was really hard to find those early days. I remember the, the, uh, Emperor's Royal Guard was a tough one to find initially. Huh. Um, but I've, I've blocked all that out of my mind because yeah. I just, I, <laughs> I became that, very yeah. disgruntled after, uh, I, I really think, uh, attack of the clones. So, uh, well, cool. Well, I, I hate to go, but actually speaking of podcasting, I need to record the next episode with Steve, which will be about Klaatu Skiff. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I love that figure dearly. So uh, for yeah. anyone who, who hasn't listened to uh, the Kivecast yet, please check out the Kivecast. Uh, it is it is Sky and Steve Danley uh, who put it together. They do it uh, almost monthly, we'll say, except yes. for March. We do um, 12 episodes a year, usually monthly. Yes, and then if you're if you're ever heading out to a celebration, uh, please attend the archive party. You have to get tickets in advance, um, but it is it is something that is immensely special. Uh, the proceeds usually go to an animal charity, uh, which is wonderful, and it turns out to be one of the coolest moments spent at celebration. Um, yeah, and I I would say as the 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 best way to find any of this stuff is just by going to the Star Wars Collector's Archive, the SWCA.com, just the, the blog on the front. That's another thing which, if, if I want to toot my own horn, the, the idea of putting a blog on there and making the, the archive a little bit more like, uh, a little bit more modern than just like an archive, an actual updated site. Um, that was that was an initiative that, that I helped out with a couple years ago. So that's a really good place to go if you want to find out about the archive party, if you want to know about the podcast, and also just get a lot of good information. So. Yeah, and if you're looking to um, to see Sky as well, uh, you can check out Professor Sky's record review on YouTube. And um, it's Sky. I can't believe how many episodes you've done so far, and they they really are a lot of fun. Uh, you come away learning. I, I say I come away learning a lot about you uh, and about the way that you see the world, and then also. Um, I think, as I said before, you have very measured and thoughtful approaches to how you digest music um, and how you appreciate a lot of the positive aspects of newer music as well, too. Uh, so it's it's definitely worth uh, a view. Yeah. Well, thank you. Cool. Great. Sky, this was a blessing. And I, I really mean it. I just I, I love you like a brother. I love you dearly. And I'm so thankful for all the work that you've done over the years uh, and 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 for your friendship and, and the kindness that you've you've shown me. Um, and uh, again, I, I look forward to doing our, our crossover episodes. So. Yes, uh, that's. I, I'm already like, I'm already more excited about that than I am about the episode I'm about to record. <laughs> we won't tell Steve. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but thank you again for taking the time out today to do this. Uh, and I, I look forward to to having more conversations with you on on you know both of our podcasts in the future. All right, sounds great. All right, thank you. Yeah.